Welcome to the podcast Love at First Science with me, your host and fellow inquisitive inquirer, lover of all things nerdy, Celeste. As a physiotherapist and neuroscience student, I really do love science. But I'm also really interested in the world of business, creativity, psychology. So this podcast is going to interview all sorts of different people from many different backgrounds to really gain an understanding of the science behind their passion. Our first guest is Dr. Nidhi Sharma. Dr. Sharma has a ton of letters behind her name, and as she starts to talk, it's apparent just how educated and experienced she is in the realm of the core. She's a pelvic floor physical therapist, and she's double board certified in the field of women's health and orthopedics. She has more than a decade of clinical experience, and it's really focused around helping women and empowering them to understand their body. More importantly, she's also a mum. She's recently gone through the struggles of a postpartum recovery, and she shares all of this and so much more in this mind-blowing episode. We are talking to Dr. Needy Sharma in today's episode for the core series that we are on. And this incredible woman is not only a orthopedic physical therapist, She's also a specialist in postpartum and pelvic floor dysfunction, and we dive into this topic in great length. We speak about prolapse, we speak about vaginismus, and we really start teasing out some of the myths that are well-established in the fitness community around overgripping the core and utilizing it within a single shape. I was introduced to this lovely woman by my friend Sarah Parker Physio via Instagram, I should say. I kind of dived into all of her content and stalked her thoroughly and was really, really impressed with how down to earth she is, how relatable she makes all of her content. And so without much further ado, guys, let's meet the wonderful Dr. Nidhi Sharma. I am beyond thrilled that Needy has taken the time out of her busy schedule to be here with all of us. How are you, Needy? Thank you so much for joining Love at First Science. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Really excited to discuss everything with you. My love, can you just give us a brief introduction about who you are, what's your background, just so everyone has a bit of context around your incredible knowledge that you're going to share with us? So I am a pelvic health physical therapist. I have, I'm practicing in New York. I have been a PT for about 13 years. Um, I'm an orthopedic specialist and a women's health specialist. So I kind of, my approach to treating things is kind of stepping back and looking at pelvic floor as, um, as part of the whole body. Um, I am also a new mom. I have a 10 month old. So Yay, congrats. Yeah. Thank you. So I try to practice what I'm preaching and, um, you know, going through all the challenges that I hear my patients talk about. I mean, I'm so glad you brought this up because I think one of the, you know, I am obviously here on my high horse talking about things, but I haven't had kids. And I think that a lot of times we don't really know what it's like until we've actually been through that experience. And so for you, with all of your knowledge you have, would you say that all that knowledge kind of helped you through the process or would you say sometimes you were like oh my goodness this is very different to what I thought it would be like it definitely helped me I was uh, not uh, I was guarding and I kind of knew when things happened to me that oh this is what it is 
but with my knowledge, I thought, oh, I'll, I'll take care of this. <laughs> but that wasn't always the case. And I think one of the things I realized is that you really, really don't have time. Uh, you don't oh, have yeah. any time. Uh, oh. Which, uh, you know, I tell my patients to exercise and I realize that I'm asking them to do impossible things sometimes. Yeah, it's so intense for the new moms. I see how burnt out they are. Like, obviously, not only do you not have time, you're actually also not sleeping, which is not ideal. So, I mean, with your experiences that you've had, I mean, you've had 10 months now of practice. <laughs> not only are you this amazing physical therapist that's helping so many people, but you've had 10 months of being kind of in the deep waters of having a newborn, rearing them into little human. Um, have you got any tips for the mums out there, especially around the topic of core? Because there is a real pressure on mums to get back to exercise, to get their six pack back. But what would you say has been really, I, I, you know, I just, I guess what I'm trying to get at is what are some myths that maybe you can bust for us? And what are some tips that you can give mums that are more practical? Okay, so I guess the first uh, thing there's no bouncing back. Uh, there's just no bouncing back that happens. Postpartum is forever. Postpartum is a new body. It's not a bad body. It's just a new body. It's a different body. Mm. So um, at this point, the, you really do have to start from connecting with your breath, connecting with your pelvic floor. And um, hopefully you have practiced these things when you were pregnant. It makes it so much easier. So if you're pregnant and you have an opportunity to go see a pelvic floor physical therapist during pregnancy before giving birth, it'll be so helpful. I was doing deep core contractions and deep core activation, not really contraction, one, two hours after giving birth. So it's something that you can start right away. And if you start there right away, the, the muscle memory kicks in so much quicker. Amazing. So, and can you walk us through what that, what that exactly means and, and looks like for a new okay. mom that's maybe just given birth? Like what would a deep core uh, activation look like or yes. be like? So basically um, you are working with the diaphragm. Diaphragm is the breathing muscle, which is right under the rib cage. Pelvic floor is a hammock, like a sling-like muscle inside the pelvis. And then there are core muscles around the trunk. So we're working with the deepest muscles of the core. We're not gonna name them complicated names. So these three muscles, you're gonna inhale and relax your belly or inhale into your rib cage on all sides. And then you exhale through your mouth, or you can do nose, mouth is a little bit easier. Exhale through your mouth, and then gently think about pulling, if you have a tampon that's falling out, think about pulling a tampon in. Mm. And I often say the way you're gonna make your contraction better or stronger or more connected is by prolonging your exhale. Don't mm. think about squeezing and holding the pelvic floor contraction. See if you can prolong your exhale. So first slip and go. And longer you can go, the pelvic floor will come along for a ride. And we're not talking about strong contractions. You're not building muscle mass. You're just activating. So you, I would say 50%, 70% of your best contraction is pretty good. You just repeat it. Keep repeating it. Two contractions every hour. That's it. 
I guess the oh, cool thing nice. about that, you can literally just do that anywhere, anytime, if you're breastfeeding or if you're carrying your baby. So it's not like a separate yeah. thing that you've got to weave into a busy schedule as a new mom. So I really love that suggestion. And actually, that is one that I've been teaching because I'm one of Julie Weeb's students. I don't know if you've come across Julie Weeb. Yeah. Um, we all love her. Yeah. We all basically. I love her so much. Yeah. So she's been on the podcast and she spoke about the use of the diaphragm and the importance of actually relaxing. And I love the tip you gave. And actually, I just, I'm really trying to get the message out there. One of the myths that I alluded to earlier was that I think a lot of people are under a lot of pressure to always hold their core in and tight, especially through movement. And I wanted to, one of the reasons I wanted to start the podcast was to bring people like you in to talk about actually how this is not necessarily the best way. So can you give us your insights as a physical therapist and someone who works with postpartum women? Yeah, so, you know, think of it as a spring, an old spring that has lost its flexibility, it's going to lose its power. So if a muscle cannot stretch, it cannot contract, it doesn't have anywhere to contract too. So one of the things that holding the core tight does is it creates a stiffness which might give you the, the feeling of strength. It might even work for a few minutes or so long, but it's not gonna, one, it's not gonna work for a long period of time. And two, it's not gonna work by itself. So we say anticipatory core engagement, that's been the term that we've been using for the past few years, which means you don't think about it. So if you can weave your core activation into something that you automatically do, then it will automatically hopefully work. And what do you automatically do? Breathe. So if you can, if you can weave your contraction into breathing, then when you breathe in, the core automatically relaxes. It's not even relaxing, it's lengthening, which is a different mm. kind of contraction. It's like eccentric, isn't it? There's still a yes. load in the muscle, but it's but it, there's an expansion at the same time. Exactly. So it's, it's lengthening, but it's still contracting, it's still working. And then when you breathe out, it automatically contracts. Um, this, I'm doing it with my hand, I know you can't see, but this up and down motion, like a wave of contraction, relaxation, contraction, relax, relaxation is how the core works. It doesn't mm. work by creating a wall. It actually works by creating some sort of a trampoline. Um, so I often say, don't hold your pelvic floor all the time. I, people have this habit of holding their pelvic floor when they run, uh, which mm. almost always backfires. Because you get, tired, yeah, yeah. you get tired, yeah, you get tired to a point, and then suddenly you have a big leak instead of a small leak. So I would mm. rather have you run with a good breath pattern, and then stop when you feel like you can't quite control the the leaking. And you know that's mm. probably your limit at this point, and you're gonna keep getting better at it. Oh, so good to hear you talk about the stuff. And uh, like I said, I just want to bring in lots of clever people like you that have. What I feel, I know we've been talking about this for a few years, but it is quite cutting edge, especially in the fitness world, to be talking about allowing your core to expand on the inhale. That is something that's still, I feel, not really the mainstream message that's out there. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, chest up, core tight. I've heard it so many times. I, I treat a lot of um, people with pelvic pain and hernias 
who have been doing chest up core tight and have given themselves hernias doing that because if you never let the core expand and then you load it because you're lifting where will the pressure go okay it can't go anywhere you're not breathing out you're holding your breath yeah. you're holding a pelvicular contraction so it starts to push out through the abdomen and create hernias um so we it's been so important especially yes. in the fitness world where they're lifting a lot loading a lot to talk about really letting that pressure expand uh, pressure escape somewhere yeah and, and you know hold. it's so difficult cuz i i speak quite openly about this to everyone that i had sort of low grade leaking and for such a young person i mean it's just just crazy you know and it was especially when a strong cough or a sneeze came along and i was the biggest person who was always talking about engage your core you need a strong core through all your movements and obviously then i met judy weeb um, my friend sarah parker who's obviously she actually introduced me to you she said you've got to follow needy sharma who's just so amazing and um oh. she was educating me about actually you've got to allow the pressure system to adapt um it was interesting because i was actually stalking you quite a bit before we did this interview and one of the things that you speak about on your instagram page please everybody follow needy um it's uh think beyond pain right that's your handle which mm -hmm. is just such a genius name think beyond pain guys definitely check out her incredible content um one of the things you're talking about that it even the diastasis recti can be caused by doing something like sit ups right that's is it one of the contributory fact contributory factors so we don't think that exercises cause diastasis but we're saying that if you're going to do things that um, make the bulge appear more uh it's not it's not building muscle memory it's building muscle memory of more bulge rather than doing okay. the things that will control the bulge i don't think research quite supports the fact that any exercise is making the diastasis worse because okay. um diastasis take months and months and months of hormonal changes to happen i don't think a little mm. bit of sit up is going to make it worse but i think i want my patients to focus on the fact that what's going to make it better okay so what so, what kind of suggestions would you give so guys quick side note diastasis is when a big belly not just a pregnant belly and men get this as well even guys with six packs sometimes get this yes. but it's the little middle part between their six pack muscles comes apart uh -huh. um have you got any tips and suggestions for folks listening on how they can improve this so unfortunately diastasis is extremely individualized uh two things i say you know one of the things is the deep core engagement that we talked about in the it creates tension and i'm i think julie talks about this a lot also is that the 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 space between the two sides the 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 little gap that is there more than the gap what we're looking at these days is how tense how tense is that gap so do you see a bulge do you see a little valley right is that space soft or is it hard can you create tension across it so exercises that create like a trampoline underneath it where it's tension that those are the exercises we want mm -hmm. um sit up is usually not the first place you start 
deeper engagement is usually the first place you start. But the second thing is you really do have to load it. I think women are scared of doing exercises because they, they think, oh, this will hurt it, this will hurt it, this will hurt it. Mm. More often than not, it's not the exercise that's hurting you. It's how you're doing it that might mm. not be helpful. So um, after the deep core engagement, if we can teach women to keep that tension across the two sides and then load their trunk, whether it's squats, whether it's planks, whether it's sit-ups, uh, I'm sorry, whether it's uh, lunges, different ways to load the trunk in different directions. You really do have to be on your side in rotation, in side bending and flexion and extension, loaded in all different ways keeping the tension. Um, usually keeping the tension in a sit-up is the hardest thing. That's why we see that bulge. So it's probably not the first place to start. So when you say keeping that tension, how do you then differentiate that between someone who's maybe gripping their core in a single static hold? How could you explain that to someone who's maybe, they've heard you say, you've got to keep the system moving. We've got to work with the pressure system, but then they're hearing, oh, you've got to keep that tension. So how do you kind of tease out the language just to help someone uh, kind of find the best of both worlds? Yeah, so um, when you learn, um, when you learn to create the tension the first time, we do it with an exhale, right? We exhale and we engage the transverse abdominal, the deep, uh, deep abdominals and pelvic floor to create a tension. Now, it's not that you, that's the starting place, right? As you get better, you're able to keep that engagement even when you inhale. So when you inhale and the pelvic floor lengthens and the pressure escape, you still are able to create that tension. Now the tension doesn't mean that the core is tight. It just means the trampoline is there and the core is expanding and contracting with the trampoline. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so you still see the core, the trunk expand and get smaller. You just don't see the bulge expand and get smaller. Okay. So, how would you define the bulge? Are you talking like that little kind of pot belly that sticks out like a bread yes. loaf when someone does sit-ups? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So if you look at my page, I have like a few, I think like a, maybe two weeks ago, I did same gap, different reality, kind of okay. a visual where one woman has a big, like a bulge, like looks like a hernia. The other one has a little tent going through her abdomen, like a little uh, tent. And then third one has a little dip. So mm. these are all different presentations of what the pressure system might do. Now, oh my goodness, it's so individualized, isn't it? It is very individualized. And which is why it's not very helpful to, to tell women sit-ups are bad, planks are bad, because mm. plank might be exactly what you need at this point in your rehab. But okay. plank might be exactly what you need to avoid. Um, so it's it's hard to hard to give a give an advice for diastasis. We really say that you know we are rehabbing the whole abdominal wall rather than just closing the diastasis. Uh, but you absolutely absolutely yeah. have to do the exercises that are hard. Um, mm. Being scared of the movement, having the fear of movement, does more harm than good. Nidhi, you know, I ran a core workshop recently off the back of being one of Julie's students. And one of the biggest questions which came through, which I struggled to answer, if I'm totally honest, was 
someone's going to do a sit-up. They want to do sit-ups. That's what they want. Mm -hmm. And they're getting that bulge. How do you then work, A, with a pressure system, but then control that bulge from not poking out? So if you have, so let's say bulge is happening because the pressure has nowhere else to go, right? Are you not able to create a channel somewhere else? Breath is one way. That's one escape for the, the pressure, okay? The second one is the abdominals have to contract so they can create, keep the pressure in. Third is the pelvic floor. So between all three of them, if you're not able to control, if, you, if you're exhaling and exhaling efficiently for a long period of time, you know, prolonged exhale, if your pelvic floor contraction is pretty good, if your transverse abdominis or the deep core is engaging, you're able to control the bulge, but as soon as you sit up, you're not able to, it, it comes back, then you probably have to change positions. You have to either in increase the incline that you're doing the sit up from, mm. you might have to decrease the incline. Sometimes I'll mm. add a little bit of side bend or a little bit of rotation. We have to play around with what else can we give the system helping. 90% of time, I will find something that we can change and still do a sit-up if that's what the patient really, really wants. Um, but I'll tell them that, you know, if sit-up is your goal, one sit-up, okay, sit-up can be your goal if that's what you want to do, but that's just one plain range of motion. You live in multiplanar movement. So let's see what you can do inside bend, what you can do in extension. And once I give them like, six or seven exercises only one of them is flexion others are in other movements within within some time they will improve show improvement in flexion also um so the whole i wish everyone had i wish everyone had access to you this is just so it's so clever and so simple because yeah instead of just looking like at the body like this one-dimensional plane that we tend to a lot in yoga i mean we just like forward and back up and down and then we do yeah. some twist but then it's very passive you know to actually load the system but within all those multi-directions is so genius yeah you have to load it in all directions and you have to always always work with gravity um you can't be on your back like you know if you do rotation on your back and extension on your back you did bridges you did sit-ups you did russian twists but you never got off the, the mat even if you have severe diastasis you still have to get off the mat because you know what the pelvic floor responds best to? Gravity. As yeah. soon as there is gravity on it, the body is like, oh, we have to work. So the, the beauty of automatic core engagement that comes with gravity, you just cannot replicate it anywhere else. So mm -hmm. if you're not working with gravity, even if you have severe diastasis, I think you're missing this, this automatic function that our body has. Is, is gravity i just love you so much <laughs> you're so amazing <laughs> just think this is like it's so obvious but until you actually hear someone explain it with so much eloquence it doesn't the penny doesn't drop and so it's just fantastic hearing you talk about this um would you give any advice to older women who have experienced a prolapse? I, again, I know it's such a hard question to answer because everyone's different, but are there any key things that you're like, if people with prolapse practice X, Y, and Z, it can be very helpful? Okay. Um, one, um, manage constipation. 
uh, I don't think it's said enough. I don't think women know enough that constipation, if you're bearing down to have, to pass a poop, you are bearing <laughs> down in the front and the back. You can't bear down just in the back and not in the front. So if you're pushing the poop out, you are pushing the bladder out too. So um, if you if you push once or twice to start a bowel movement, that's not a problem. But if you are sitting in the toilet bearing down for 20 minutes, um, that's not healthy for the prolapse. So do whatever okay. you need to do to manage constipation. Um, second, don't just, so do Kegels, that's kind of obvious, right? Like, they've oh, can you explain been- Kegels? Just in case someone doesn't know what that is, could you please okay. explain Kegels for us? So Kegel is a pelvic floor contraction, okay? So when the isolated pelvic floor contraction, when it comes up, is called Kegel. And ideally, when your pelvic floor contracts, it will lift the neck of the bladder up. So the bladder is sitting, it's not sitting on pelvic floor, but it has connection, fascial connections on top of pelvic floor. So when the pelvic floor contracts, it lifts the neck of the bladder um, and potentially will decrease the prolapse. The how you do pelvic floor contraction, um, I have three favorite cues. One is imagine you have a tampon which is falling out and you want to keep it in. So kind of pull that tampon back in. I'm doing it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Two is imagine, this is the one that's most often used. Imagine there's an elevator floor inside your pelvis and you kind of go bring that elevator up towards your belly button. That's two. And one that I really like is imagine you have two blueberries and you pick up a blueberry from your vagina, pick up a blueberry from your anal opening and pull them together like like a string. That pulling together is tricky. I'm trying that and I'm like, wow, <laughs> I need yeah. to work on that. It's like fanny, fanny gymnastics going on. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, so these women need to manage constipation. They need to do some exercise. And what if it's a severe prolapse? Is there anything additional that they need to do? Do you think surgery is a route? Or like, what do women do that if they've had a really severe prolapse? So pessaries are available. Uh, pessaries are little devices that can be put inside the vagina that will usually hold the prolapse up. Um, there are different grades of prolapse and different grades have different uh, meaning how far out the organ is. So if you are grade two or one or even sometimes three, the pessary will pretty much take care of it. Pessary and PT will do it. Um, if it's a grade four, you can consider uh, surgery. You don't have to. It's not a thing that you have to do. Um, I think of a lot of women are scared because they think their organs are falling out. The organ is yeah. not falling out. It's the vaginal wall that's prolapsing and the organ is behind it. So it's not like your bladder is out of the open. The, it's the bladder bulge that's out of the open, but your organ is still functioning. So I think okay. that, that degree of um, not, fear is also not helpful. Um, Hormone replacement really helps because mm-hmm. uh, the, the vaginal tissue has to thicken up a little bit. When it thins out, the prolapse becomes much more much more noticeable. So if you find a good menopause doctor that can prescribe at least local hormone replacement, um, if you're a good candidate, that can be helpful. And then really 
exercise exercise glutes exercise abs exercise hips i cannot tell you how many times women did not want me to examine their vagina at all not look at it they just said i have a prolapse and just strengthening glutes and strengthening hips and strengthening abs improved that oh, a, this a is amazing squat, a squat and a deadlift engages the pelvic floor strongly so i know that squats can can make the prolapse more noticeable but pro- squats can also make the prolapse better so it's really about okay. how far you are in your rehab and how you do that so i highly recommend working with a trainer or a physical therapist who's trained to strengthen your lower body yeah this is um, so this is gold absolute gold needy thank you so much and tell me is there anything that women particularly are doing in their youth that maybe kind of predispose them to something like a prolapse is there anything that us young women need to kind of be a little bit more switched on about i'm thinking of me i'm quite hypermobile i'm very i used to bear down to go to the toilet and uh, i tend to sit a lot for work these days uh, or is there any kind of risk factors that you kind of look out for to help people just kind of know realize the importance of doing their pelvic floor exercises alongside their exercise so you already said one constipation is one um research also suggests that obesity is another one so it's just more weight going through the pelvic floor so weight management throughout the life you know healthy weight and exercise is important um de- more deliveries like more vaginal deliveries doesn't necessarily predispose you to pelvic floor uh, prolapse but if any of those deliveries have instruments used so forceps and and uh, what is that called a vacuum so instrument deliveries pro- uh, predispose uh, women to prolapse so if you have an instrument delivery you probably have to focus more on strengthening the pelvic floor um and then any hormone imbalance mm-hmm. low estrogen will do that to you so and it's usually not the postmenopausal women that have that much it's it's the perimenopause right when the menopause is about to happen you still have your period but your hormones are all over the place and uh, that's time that's a time that most women start to feel that uh, that leaking and prolapse come on so uh, amazing this is so great so One of the big issues I think I mean I'm listening to you talk and what's going through my mind is oh my gosh everyone needs to meet the uh, needy and everyone needs to have a pelvic floor physiotherapist but there's really a lack of pelvic health physios in the world globally and there's so many women that are delivering I mean it's just like it's this huge yeah, disservice actually to yeah. women that are having to bring new people into the planet exactly exactly and not just once again and again Yeah. again and again and with so many um sometimes so many complications it's so important and i think one of the things that i've seen is i i don't have evidence for this but i hear this in clinic every day i had a baby 12 years ago or 20 years ago and i wasn't leaking or i was leaking every now and then you know if i ran 2 miles i might leak a little bit and now since last year i'm leaking all the time okay mm. what happened you're 45 or 48 years old menopause is around the corner you just don't have the buffer in your system you you were living for 20 years right on the edge of what your pelvic floor can do and as soon as you got a little less estrogen everything falls apart 
so so it's the it's this 20 years of living in just a little bit of leaking or just a little bit of prolapse and then suddenly just kind of they just kind of fall down a cliff Mm. because we didn't take care of them when they gave birth we didn't tell them that that little bit of leaking little bit of prolapse when you were young my age it's just not normal it's not okay to have that Common but not normal is the phrase, I think, because you know what was shocking to me is that how on TV now they advertise knickers for leaking. Like it's this normal thing. Oh, you've had a kid, you leak. Yeah, wear these pants. They will help your leaking. And it's like, yeah, great that those products exist. Absolutely grateful to the people who created them. But at the same time, the message shouldn't be, oh, it's so normal. We should be like, and I think something else that's worth mentioning is all of us as fitness professionals should be trained to always question how is your pelvic floor it should be just mainstream part of our kind of intake let's talk about pelvic floor that should just be normalized yeah absolutely you know i don't i can't tell you how many times I get patients referred from other professionals for something else. And then Mm -hmm. I ask them, are you hurting with uh, intercourse or are you having prolapse? Are you having difficulty? And they say, yes. And no one has asked them. And they are three years postpartum. No one has asked them, not their OBG, at least in the United States. So here as well. It's so important for everyone to get comfortable asking, talking about pelvic floor. I think that's what you know professionals like me are doing on our instagram okay okay i gave birth so i'm going to talk my about pelvic floor and hopefully that will inspire you and make you more comfortable about talking to your pelvic floor it's because it's, it's like shoulder it's just inside yeah yeah it shouldn't be this you know private thing that everyone's afraid to talk about that's why when i was interviewing julie weeb and i'm going to interview sarah parker my friend who introduced me to you um I very openly talk about the fact that I had this mild incontinence because I really wanted to be that it's not the shameful thing that, oh, you know, she's got incontinence. Oh my goodness. You know, what's wrong with her? The strong girl that can do handstands. How is she incontinent? It really should be something that we're not only open about talking about ourselves, but asking in our intake forms when we deal with new clients. Yes, exactly. Absolutely quick break to share an offer. I have a three hour core workshop that's available on my website. It's an opportunity to take a deep dive into the scientific literature, to share some of the anecdotal evidence that has come through from experienced physios working within the pelvic health arena. But it also gives you some insights into how to get core engagement to happen reflexively. It's helped many people and I'll just share a couple of testimonials. One person kindly wrote to me saying, I just finished the core workshop and I am blown away by the information you provided. Another said, give me goosebumps actually, thank you for your beautifully crafted core workshop. It was one of the best workshops I've ever taken and believe me, I have taken a lot. Now you can learn more about the core too. Head to celestepereira.com and in the workshops tab, click on core values. Then use the code RELAX, all lowercase, that's RELAX, to get 35% off. And the fact that we don't, we relate the pelvic floor to bladder health and sexual health only, 
we and we don't talk about it, we miss the point that pelvic floor is important for lower back pain, for your core strength, like you said. So mm-hmm. if we took if we talked about the other things more openly and we addressed it, I think people would generally just have at least postpartum women will have less back pain and less SI joint pain because guess what is stabilizing SI joint more yeah, than all connected than the other things is pelvic floor. Totally. And actually, I've started doing that now when people write to me saying, oh, I've got SI pain or low back pain. What do I do? Um, straight away, what's your pelvic floor doing? Just kind of rolls off the tongue now. Um, Nidhi, one thing that you touched upon, which I'm very uh, curious to learn more about, I don't know a lot about it, is vaginismus. People that present with painful sex, trouble getting their tampons in and out. Can you offer us any, a little bit of background about that and maybe some solutions and kind of Things, I mean, because people don't have access to amazing people like you, what are things they can do themselves to help? So vaginismus is a condition um, where when there is penetration, the muscle of the vaginal canal or pelvic floor around the vaginal canal contracts strongly and close. Um, There's a lot of research thinking into why it's happening and we don't necessarily know it's not just a physical problem. Some part of it is definitely psychological. There's a fear, tension, and pain cycle. So there is uh, intercourse, yeah. there is pain. Your body develops tension. There's sympathetic response to that uh, pain. You develop tension, which causes more fear, which causes fear, which causes more tension, which causes more pain. And you kind of get stuck in this yeah. cycle. So one of the things I tell women is, First of all, you need to give your pelvic floor pain-free experience. That can be your pinky finger. That can be a mm-hmm. very small dilator. That can be, you know, that can be your partner's finger or anything so small that it doesn't hurt. And if, if yeah. that small still hurts, just outside of the, the vaginal opening, just touch something that doesn't hurt and then you have to go from there slowly and slowly I say kind of convince your body that it's not endangered whenever we are in danger of any kind one of the things that contracts strongly is pelvic floor because our very important organs are there and evolutionarily our uterus is there so our body's like oh we don't want to lose a baby we don't want to lose your productivity so they they protect and um so dilate, I don't know, should I explain what dilators are? So dilators uh, why are the, not? Go in. <laughs> uh, dilators are these um, small, they look like a vibrator, uh, but they're medical instruments that you can put inside the vaginal canal and, and slowly train your body to not react to it. I, I, I don't like to say stretch it because you're not really stretching the vagina with, with small uh, dilators. What you're doing is you're putting it in and telling your brain, it's okay. okay, there's no danger. And then you leave it there and then you kind of move it in and out. And more and more times, your pelvic floor has this pain-free experience, less and less guarding it gets. Okay. Now the primary vagin, this is secondary vaginismus, which starts after a UTI or an injury or a sexual intercourse injury. Sometimes it's primary vaginismus where uh, there has never been pain-free sex. It's always been painful. And that's the, the, that's the time you don't quite understand why it happens, but there definitely can be psychological um, and social, psychosocial factors happening there. 
So for those patients, of course, working with physical therapists, but also working with a counselor or a psychotherapist mm. to sort of think about why it might be happening. It doesn't have to be physical. There might be something in your childhood, something in your life that you have been holding. It doesn't have to be trauma or abuse. It can just be stress that you're holding. Yeah. Some people will just hold their stress in their pelvic floor. Um, so releasing those stresses and then again, coming back to pelvic floor and convincing your pelvic floor, it's okay. There's no danger in your headache. Um, Gosh, it's a long road for women, isn't it? It's a long road of recovery that convince the brain and to convince the body. You know, it seems like it would be very, very long. It's not that long. Once you That's uh, great. start doing it, we, we typically see results in three months, six months, you know. Amazing. Um, where you can, it's a, it's a daily practice. So yes, of course, it's a lot of work for those three, six months, um, but there are definitely good results. The, the absolute worst thing is to try to shove those dilators in thinking that you're stretching something because you're really not stretching. If you're mm -hmm. shoving them in and causing pain and it's painful, then you are absolutely making the problem worse. And the okay. same thing, if you're, if you're just tolerating sex that's painful again and again and again, that's you're make just it worse. Making, it, making it worse. And tell me, uh, is the cueing around engage your pelvic floor, engage your pelvic floor, because in, in yoga, that's a big one, especially in the Ashtanga traditions, they get women to engage their pelvic, I mean, not just women, all people, <laughs> to engage their <laughs> pelvic floor for very long periods of time in a static hold. And this is like part of the practice you know it's something that's very much expected and you're expected to do it daily as well could that contribute to uh, pelvic floor dysfunction yeah yeah that, that's I would think that is probably I don't know the I don't know that I haven't seen that specific yoga practitioner but I've seen it a lot in dancers mm. they're holding their pelvic floor because they're told that they have to hold or gymnasts that if they have they have to hold the pelvic floor for their function to be strong and then they end up leaking or they end up having painful sex because the pelvic floor has lost the flexibility mm. to open. Um, so yeah, definitely. And I don't think holding the pelvic floor or holding any part of your body in a constant hold for a long period of time is, uh, is functional or beneficial. Yeah, I agree. And it was funny. We actually did this little thing in my core workshop where I got everyone to like make little biceps. I was like, okay, now we're going to try and do our favorite activity. You can do whatever you want, dancing, a vinyasa flow on your yoga mat, whatever you want, try and do whatever you want and just hold your biceps in this thing. And we had such a laugh doing this because obviously <laughs> A, you look ridiculous. B, it feels ridiculous. You can't really do much if you're holding any muscle in a static hold. It's very um, impractical. <laughs> And yeah. it's like, why would we expect one part of our body to have a set, rigid state and not another part of our body? All parts of our body have to respond to A, the load that they're under and B, it has to be task specific. Yeah, exactly. And I think the, the probably this constant hold came from the place that people had pain and we did the constant holds and it made the pain better. Um, but you like I look at my baby he's not holding anything right no. he's always so how is he functioning without holding he's got he's strong he can stand <laughs> he can yeah. really, really push off with, with more weight than his own body because one his posture is close to ideal right his his thorax uh, his ribcage and his pelvis usually line up when he's standing and two 
who's breathing into his diaphragm or using his diaphragm. I think posture in our daily life, when we're sitting for a long period of time, posture gets out of alignment, or out, of, out of awareness, and then the breathing goes down. And th those two factors make the code that was automatic, not automatic. And now mm. you have to go and talk to it again and again and again. And, and people end up just thinking that, oh, we're going to hold this because that's going to make it better. But it's not. You have to talk to it. But you really, how are you going to make it automatic again is going back to the basics of breathing and posture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's such a hot topic posture because I was always really flying the flag, posture, posture, posture. But then there were a lot of people kind of in the wellness space saying things like posture doesn't matter at all. And it was like, oh, okay, maybe I have to like go back to the drawing board and look at things again. And I'm very much still on the fence where I think that the way we've been talking about posture, about it, you know, definitely if you have bad posture, you're definitely going to end up in pain. There's obviously no research to back that up. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that posture doesn't matter at all. Obviously, the way that we carry ourselves, our form is going to have an impact. So it's really nice to hear you talk about that. I think, I think we're missing the boat for posture. And I don't have, I've been talking to a lot of professionals about it, you know, because in our space also we say there are people saying it doesn't matter how you lift you can lift with your back bent and it's, it's because research shows that bending your back is not going to cause pain two things i think one is it's not a posture it's not a bad posture good posture it's more about do you know where your spine is it's if it's bent it's is bent, it an awareness but do you know do you know i do you have awareness because and then do you have variety you can lift okay, it doesn't hurt if you lift with your back bent, but can you also lift with your back straight? Can you also lift mm. with your back extended? Amen. So that, variety, that variety gives your body resilience, which, miss, which is missing when you're not aware, right? And I think the second part, thing of posture that we're missing is, it's yes, posture probably doesn't cause pain, but good posture or, or a more aware posture does make you more efficient. Can you run faster? Can you lift heavier? Can you stand longer? Even if you are not pain, even if you are pain free, but you can run faster. Fatigue. That is better. Yeah. So. Oh, so totally. I love the way you describe that. That is so, so smart because I think the way that we're looking at pain as a single variable, which is not how the body works. That's my handle, think beyond pain. Because really, I, I'm tired of talking about pain in all my, uh, all my career. I want to help pain, but really think about function, right? Think about having yeah. sex, think about not leaking, think about running, think about lifting, and pain will get better mm. by itself. You have to stop obsessing totally. about pain. Can you please tell everybody where to find more of you? I know I mentioned your handle, but is there anything else you want to share with our listeners? Yeah, so my practice is in New York. I have two locations, one in New York, one slightly north of New York. Um, I do remote work uh, there. You can contact me through my page. You can DM, but my LinkedIn tree has all the information to contact me. Um, there is a free postpartum booklet in my link tree. So if you want to oh, download, if you're pregnant and or if you just gave birth, download that. It has basics of all the contractions and deep core contractions I talked about. Um, Amazing. And if you have any questions, feel free to DM me. You are the best. 
Honestly, thank, thank you. you so much for your beautiful brain. I, I'm going to have to interview you again. So just expect a message coming through into your email. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> All right, my love. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for last. Bye. Bye, my love. Thank you for listening and your continued support. If you feel that any of the topics that were shared today resonates with you or perhaps you just feel that someone listening could benefit from this information, please do share it. Also remember that you can support the podcast by leaving a review. That's all for now. I'd like to wish you love at First Science.